Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome in to the latest episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast. One of the one of the more exciting podcasts so far of the off season. You know, we've been we've been talking a bunch of uh, what's going to happen. You know, seeing, you know, predicting stuff. But uh, we got we got stuff to react to today, and so I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm Ron Cobb Jr., the lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. Make sure you are following uh, that site for all the latest news, all the latest break uh, breaking news, all the latest reports. We got it all. But today, again, we're reacting. We're breaking it all down. And I got with me two of the guys that do it the best for the site, I would say. Shout out Nate Christensen and Caleb James. They joined me today on the show. I've had them both on. So if you've been listening to the show, you, you've met them both. You, you know them both. I mean, come on. You've been reading the site enough. You've been, uh, you've been following Twitter enough. I got to imagine by now. So, Caleb, I'll just start with you, man. Uh, how are you feeling? This is this Chiefs free agency period. We're at the end of, we're at the end of this week where – a lot of stuff has happened, man. Kind of how have you uh, how have you taken it? What are you feeling like? Man, it feels like it's been a heck of a long week for many reasons. But then you see like at 9 o'clock last night, Patrick Mahomes, they free up a little bit of cap space. And then all of a right. sudden I feel like everyone's afraid to go to bed because they don't want to miss something. So that's where I'm at. Maybe just some paranoia taking over as far as, you know, the Twitter notifications are concerned. Well, hey, that, I think that I think we're gonna see that same thing happen tonight. Where I, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely uh, I'm definitely a little worried. We're gonna maybe during the show we're gonna have something pop off. We're recording Thursday night. There's definitely something that could happen. Nate, you have been uh you know you've been you've been all over the place on the site getting getting everything broken down. You broke down Jawan Taylor for us. Lickety split as soon as as soon as he <laughs> broke. How how you feeling this week? Yeah, usually my spring break correlates with free agency, so it's always a good week for me to kind of. Uh, catch up on free agency film so um yeah I, I love free agency it's probably my favorite week of the year um i like free agency more than the draft um just because i know more about pro personnel than right. draft personnel for the most part um it's a fun week uh you know the chiefs are never always super active in free agency they don't sign like 10 different players but that's okay um yeah. we'll th- we'll talk about the guys that you signed individually but it's always a fun week it's always fun with the chiefs they always seem to make one splash a year at least um, so yeah. I'm, I'm always looking forward to it. It always sucks when it's like the second or third week of free to see and nothing happens. Right. I know. And that's where I think we're, we're recording at a good time, right? Cause there is stuff that's still going to happen. We got to talk about mm-hmm. that. There's still people to be signed. There's still, you know, definitely some good names out there still waiting to, to, and we still got to figure out, you know, again, you mentioned Caleb mentioned it, man. Mahomes, you know, they, they had to free that up by Friday is, is what I saw. So I think they were doing that anyway, maybe, but I don't know. They, they freed that up for some reason. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But Nate, I did, I did say you broke down the Jawan Taylor news for us. Um, that's where we're going to start with the, with the two big free agent signings that the chiefs have made this week. 
Um, they both broke before uh, the Wednesday. Well, no, O'Hanahue broke. Was that t- no? That was Tuesday night, right? Yeah, that's Tuesday yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. So both broke before the the true uh, uh, period, free agency period began during the legal tampering period. Uh, former Jacksonville Jaguars right tackle Jawan Taylor was signed to that four-year, eighty million dollar deal. Charles O'Menahue, the former 49ers pass rusher, defensive lineman, he was signed to a two-year deal worth up to twenty million, um, with some incentives in there. I think so. So a couple, a couple names, you know, a couple guys that maybe aren't the biggest names, you know, right? Obviously, uh, but but guys that fit what the Chiefs have done in free agency, I think. And 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 you look at Brett Veach's history, right? It seems like he likes these, you know, prime age, 25, 26 years old, coming off the rookie contract. You know, both of these guys are coming off of the first four years in their in their NFL careers. But Jawan Taylor is obviously a more interesting one, right? And and Nate, that's where I want you to kind of give us your first. You know, again, you broke it down for the site. You were the first one mm-hmm. on it, and. Uh, I don't know. I guess they're just your first thoughts on, on bringing him in, giving him a big deal, 20 million a year. And, and you know, whether or not he's the left tackle, right tackle, we're going to get into that. But just who he is as a player. How do you feel about him? Well, talk about the player in the film individually. I think this is a great contract. Um, he's 25 years old. He's an elite, elite pass protector. Um, I There's no scheme issues that I'm worried about. Uh, yes, Jacksonville throws the ball a lot quicker than obviously like Kansas City will. Um, but Juwan Taylor is just a very good player that has all the athletic traits you want out of a pass protector. Um, light feet. He's got a good anchor. He's got the uh, requisite length for Andy Reid. Um, pretty technically sound. I think he's a pretty fluid player. Um, so in terms of the investment on pass protection, we'll talk about if he's going to play left or right tackle. I think it makes sense. Um, even if he is slated just to be a right tackle, I think it would have been absolutely worth it because for me, if I'm paying offensive tackle, they need to be great in pass protection. And, I, you know, it's not that Jawan Taylor is perfect, but he held up versus Joey Bosa. He held up versus Khalil Mack. I honestly thought he did a better job versus Max Crosby than I've seen pretty much anybody. Like, even Mitchell Schwartz didn't handle Max Crosby as well. I thought Jawan Taylor did at times. Um, so, in terms of that investment, it's good. In terms of the left or right thing, I, I honestly, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say because I, I said this on the emergency pod when they signed him. Some guys handle it well, some guys don't. It's really one of those things that it's a case-by-case basis. Me personally, when I'm like watching off at the tackles for the draft, I don't designate left or right tackle. I just grade tackles for each what they are. So if the Chiefs obviously had some experience teaching Orlando Brown how to pass it at left tackle, we can argue whether the results were great or not, but they at least got him to be a functional left tackle. If they could do the same for Jawan Taylor and he's, let's just say 95% as good as a left tackle as he is as a right tackle, then it's a bargain. Like it's a bargain for around that 19, $20 million a year for where the top end tackle market is. That 95% is still a very good tackle, a very good pass protect tackle and a massive upgrade over Orlando Brown. So for me, I think it's a great signing. Yeah, no, and 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 you mentioned I mentioned the prime age again, but this is a guy you're paying for what he's going to do, right? You know, you're not mm-hmm. paying for past performance. You know, I, I always like that. You always like to see that. You know, you're kind of projecting that he's even going to get better, right? Because I think this last year was definitely his best season, and so you see that progression. But Caleb, I know you agree with Nate on on a lot of, of the points of of right the pass protection being elite. You know, the run blocking maybe not being as impressive. I know you you pointed that out on the AP film, and you broke it down on the YouTube show for us, but. I don't know. Yeah, let's dive into that question because that's the the main thing for me. So, Caleb, I want your take on, you know, should he, you know, what do you feel about left or right side and just how do you think the Chiefs have played it? Because I think you had an interesting uh, take on how the Chiefs have kind of come out and talked about it. 
Yeah, they've, you know, as important as having a good left tackle is in the NFL, you got to have a guy that's just as good on the right because when you get into some of these big-time games, you're going to have two teams with elite pass rushers. But what the Chiefs have done is smart. You know, they've kind of gone out here and said, oh, well, he can play left tackle too, but that's kind of like a nice little bluff they made. So now it's kind of, you know, these teams don't know. They've gotten guys off their trail, really, you know, if they're going to move up for one of the top tackles or what their, you know, kind of what their draft plan is. Because I feel like before Jawan Taylor broke, when they announced that they weren't going to be basically where they're not bringing back Orlando, you know, it was kind of like, well, darn, that pigeonholes us into almost having to trade up to where a team they might have wanted to trade up with could have gotten more picks out of them because they would have seen, you know, they'd recognized a desperate team. Now the Chiefs are in position to wheel and deal. It's really frees up a lot of what they can do in this draft, you know, yeah. to where if they're comfortable with Taylor at left tackle, you know, maybe they draft Jalen Duncan in the third. Maybe they wait on that and say, you know, maybe you can do, you know, maybe we can get our developmental guy. Or maybe they find a team that's looking to move back and, you know, maybe Paris Johnson or Anton Harrison are on the board at like 22 and they move up nine spots. It just opens up a lot of opportunities and it provides a lot of security having a player of Taylor's level. You said it best, though. These aren't really two big name signings they made, but they're not paying for the names. They're paying for the production of the player. And really, Taylor, his past, you know, his past production, all of that, it's spoken for itself throughout his career. Yeah, and and it's really nice to see him come from Doug Peterson's offense, where you got to imagine some of that, you know, terminology, some of uh, some of just the the overall, you know, how the offense is run, how the offense is taught. You have to imagine he has some of that, you know, in, in terms of you know Andy Reid, Doug, Doug Peterson being, you know, former uh, you know coaches together. So, yeah, no, I'm 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 pretty passionate about the fact that I really hope I, I really want to see the Chiefs make a concerted effort, be aggressive about keeping him at right tackle because I. As much as you guys have mentioned the, the elite pass protection, which you do want that on the left side. I mean, I get, mm. you know, you, if you've got to do one or the other, I would I would rather have it on the left side. I mean, there's no doubt sure. about it because one side Mahomes can see clearly, the other he can't. And, and you know, that's just how it is. I get that. Mahomes has a great, you know, eyes in the back of his head. He can feel it. But at the same time, Juwan Taylor has made his career, just earned that $60 million guaranteed as a right tackle he, mm -hmm. he played in college except for two games his entire college career he was a right tackle he, made, he had two left tackle starts his junior year it's just I I don't want them to commit all this money to somebody and then not you know just just automatically say okay we you know we feel good about you at left tackle let's not even worry mm -hmm. about it if that's got to be what happens fine because I do I do see how he could translate to left tackle he has the footwork right he has again the, the path protection is, is is awesome and I, and I see that too I've only watched a few games but um, definitely can see it, but again, I Caleb was pointing at a little bit, but I really want this to be. Let's go up and get our guy. Let's go up and get our future franchise left tackle, even if it means getting crazy. I'm sorry, but if it <laughs> means getting crazy, getting way up there to go get your guy Veach, let's do it, man. Let's solidify this offensive line. I heard plenty of people in the comments talking about on my article talking about right tackle. You know, that's a big contract for a right tackle, man. If the left tackle is on a rookie deal. It offsets itself. Who cares which side is getting paid more? Uh, you know, yeah. it would be the same thing if the left tackle was paid a lot and the right tackle was a rookie. So I'm pretty passionate about this, fellas. I think they need to do their best to keep him at right tackle. I'm not saying I'm going to be mad if he's the left tackle next year. Um, but I really think with the, the money they've committed um, and just who he is as a player, let's just keep him comfortable, keep him where he is, and keep him confident. I think offensive line a lot of times is just confidence. You know, I, 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 you know, I, you know confidence and knowing what you're going to do. And 
hey, you know, it's, you got to learn a whole nother, you know, it's, it's just different, right? The footwork, all that's just different on the other side. So I, I, you know, you hear it compared to getting, you know, wiping with the other hand, right? Hey, that doesn't, that doesn't feel the same. It doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, you know, it's not as easy. Uh, okay. Well, that was a, a, that was a great way to jump off to the next guy, uh, Charles Omenahue, the pass rusher um, from the Niners. He was with the Texans before Texans traded him um, in his third season to the Niners and, and he instantly became one of their, you know, situational pass rushers. We all know the 49ers have that that gauntlet of guys that they just send at you in their four-man rushes. And he was one of them, man. And 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 he's a disruptive guy. Uh, you know, hey, Caleb, I, I'll start with you. Uh, you know, I was the one to broke him down for AP Film. Right? I, I was the one to put out the article. But, you know, we've obviously all got eyes on him. And just what do you think he brings to the Chiefs? Let's just talk about, you know, what he, who he is as a player. And and what do you how do you think he fits into the Chiefs? pass rush i guess or just the defensive front as in general what do you think so he's you know he's a guy that i think the chiefs have already got a couple of guys like him on the roster but he could play outside or inside primarily going to be a pass rush guy and you know when he's on the outside he's going to use his length a lot of the time when he's on the inside he's going to use a lot of those hand swipes and some of that quickness honestly you know he can line up three tech four eye can put him out on a five or six He's going to, you know, he's going to make an impact be able to rush the passer from any of those spots. He's really, I don't know, for being a situational player, I've been, you know, from the film I've watched on him, I've been pretty impressed. I think maybe he could have earned some more snaps. I have a feeling the Chiefs are about to play him a whole lot more than he's been played thus far in his career. But by bringing him in now, you take a look at what the Chiefs currently have on their defensive line. A lot of versatile guys where you can kind of say, well, these guys all kind of do the same thing. So it feels like the Chiefs are trying to build up a gauntlet of pass rushers, you know, any kind of way that, you know, however they can, you know, they have these guys that can do similar things. What I think, you know, I think his big thing, though, definitely his size. You know, you said maybe he's not a true 280, but that honestly, him being a little quicker on the inside, I think helps him in some of those pass rushing situations. Yeah, no, I'm glad you, you talked about that because I should have let off with with just his measurables. I do think it's the significant part about Charles Amenahu is he is 6'5", came in at 280 at the Combine and, and has been listed at 280 on any NFL page ever since, which we'll get into that. But 85 and a half inch wingspan, 36 inch arms, obviously just a super long dude. You're, you're not going to find longer arms than that. Uh, and, and 36 and a half inch vertical, um, that's a 91st percentile for defensive linemen at the NFL Combine. So explosive, long. But yeah, 280, in my opinion, you watch him. I don't think he's playing at 280. I think he's more no, playing no closer way. to 270. Okay, thank you. I'm not crazy. I, I, <laughs> no, I he's dropped weight. So the reason why I say yeah, that is ahead, I man. watched some of his 2019 Texans film. He He's heavier. You can tell. Like, he's just heavier on there. Okay, and, um, and that's what I've yet to do is go back. Because I wanted to do that, yeah. so I'm glad you did that. But he's yeah, dropped so weight. He, I, I, can, so let me I ask, can guarantee it, yeah. And let me ask you to, to go off of that. Do you, do you think he should – put on back that way like do you think that's beneficial for him in kansas city or do you like him where he was at with san francisco well i'll kind of segue that into my men who thoughts in general um if i would say the best way to compare him is if you put carlos dunlap with mike dana's interior passage ability that's charles amenahu um like and, and that 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 sounds interesting but it's like both dunlap and amenahu kind of win with more like uh length and like striding around the corner while also like winning with power um, Amenu is a very, very good interior pass rusher. I mean, I, I knew he was a good interior pass rusher, but I didn't realize he was that good. His balance, his length, his explosiveness, mm-hmm. it's it's like it's the tangible impact. He can beat pretty much anyone on a one-on-one. 
uh, from what I saw. Here's what I find interesting about Charles Menu, and I've thought about it the past couple of days. You know, back in Houston, he was mainly like a sub, you know, sub package rusher. He didn't play a lot of defensive end. For the 49ers, he was essentially a third down inside passer specialist and a backup mm-hmm. defensive end. What I'm kind of getting to this is Charles Menu hasn't played a lot of defensive end in the NFL. It's just something that hasn't been a thing that he's done a lot in the NFL. And this is kind of another question I have is like, yes, he has obviously all the length. And I, I do think he has the trace to be a very good run defender. But the 49ers styles of run defense is very much different from the Chiefs. Uh, the 49ers, they like to penetrate. They do a lot of slants, a lot of gap exchanges. They're just flying for TFLs. They're flying upfield. It's not how the, the way the Chiefs defend the run. This isn't like a point of concern for me, but I do kind of wonder – if there's some sort of learning curve for Charles Amenhu uh, coming to Kansas City, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe in year one or like maybe the first few weeks, Charles Amenhu is not playing a ton of snaps uh, like on the base defensive end because it's honestly something he hasn't done a lot. Like if you go, he would only play maybe two series a game at defensive end for the Niners. And then besides that, it was almost all inside. I, I, what do you guys think about that? That's something that's kept popping my head the past couple of days is he's really inexperienced as a defensive end for a guy that has like the pressure numbers that he does. Yeah. And, and I, I think you're onto something because, and Caleb actually pointed this out on AP film room too, but you know, we talk about him, you know, yeah, he, he is a defensive end size, but he, he can play that three tech. I mean, is this, yeah. could this be a way to, to kind of maybe spell Chris Jones a little too? give, you know, give, give Chris Jones a little more time off the field, but you don't lose that three tech penetration that, you know, that, that mm-hmm. explosive ability. We are looking at it on the film room, Caleb. I mean, he was doing some of those hand swipes that Chris Jones loves to do and, and, and it beats guards, man. So I don't know, Caleb, I'll let you expand on that. I mean, do you think that's a legitimate, you know, theory to this at all um, that, that maybe he could be more of a kind of a, maybe not a Chris Jones backup, right? I don't think we're saying that, but mm. just a way, to maybe, you know, uh, spell Chris Jones without actually losing some of what Chris Jones does sometimes. You know, outside of this year, Chris has been one of those guys. He does get a little worn down as the season goes on because he takes a lot of abuse and a lot of attention. So maybe, the, you know, early on, if they're trying to teach him how to, you know, if they're trying to teach CO how to play, you know, outside, you know, play defensive end a little more, well, let's go ahead and get him on the inside on some pass rush situations mm-hmm. just to get him on the field, be productive. I can see that to Nate's point. But, yeah, I mean, I think that early on in the season, if they play him, you know, if they get him quite a few snaps in there, it can maybe take a little bit of weight off Chris's shoulders. Obviously, you're not going to fully replace the impact Chris Jones makes, but just seeing some of those, you know, pressure numbers and all that, it's encouraging for what he's going to be able to do in the defense with some of the guys that he is going to end up being surrounded by and honestly the fact that he hasn't played a lot I like because now the Chiefs Mm -hmm. could just play him a lot the next two years you know they have a chance now where you know he's been like in this reserve role this backup role you know he's got the size and athletic ability to be a starter in the defense for the Chiefs I expect you know maybe there's a slow learning curve but he's gonna play a lot of snaps the next two seasons and let me be clear, I love the Charles Amenhu signing. Like, this isn't me, like, being like, I don't think yeah. Charles Amenhu is a very good player. I guess what my kind of thing was, I, I thought about the night after the signing is, the Chiefs still need a three-down defensive end. I don't think yeah. that's what Charles Amenhu is for this team, and I don't think they're paying him to do that because they're paying him essentially $8 million a year. Um, right. I don't know exactly how his like, contract structure works. I know there's some incentives built in, but I don't think they're, like, paying him to be – I guess Frank Clark's replacement. 
Um, so that that's what's kind of interesting. And I, I know we're going to talk about edges with some of the draft stuff later, but that's what's really kind of sticking out to me is I don't think the Chiefs are paying him to be an edge. And I still think there's a need in that room. But again, I love the signing. I love Charles Amenu. He's always been one of my favorite types of players like in the NFL. Well, and, and you know who who loves it, you know, without question, is Steve Spagnuolo. I mean, no matter what right. happens, I mean, this dude is long. This dude is explosive, uh, versatile, as we've been saying. But, yeah, no, I I, I think I'm with you guys. I, 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 at first, you know, I'm just looking at him as a, you know, maybe just a just a rotational guy. But I do think they they think highly of him in terms of, you know, for the future. I do think they, they want to turn him into a guy that they can sign again and, and, and start down the road. Obviously, because I again I just said you know Spags would, would loves that type of player, but yeah I do think again you know Nate you just made great points about it and you know the three you know being the three tech for Chris Jones you know he's not as big as Chris Jones and that's where you know holding up inside like Chris Jones does at times you know is a lot different but no and and again they're him and Jones can rush together on the inside on pass rush downs that wasn't the point but just yeah I mean Jones was at what that was his career high in snaps last year by a lot I mean he was playing eighty plus percent of the snaps. Amount crazy number for a defensive tackle so i do think this is just a way that maybe yeah you could keep that 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 kind of dynamic dynamic rusher on the field from the inside with that size and length too because dana is an is a nice interior rusher but he's not you know he's not overwhelming anyone with size and length yeah um so yeah so that that's that's my thing is that i think right away yeah he's gonna disrupt no matter what we're, we're getting disruption from this guy he's gonna get after mm. quarterbacks on pass downs but I think that is where, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that later, the draft, because I do think it does impact the Chiefs, you know, how they could look at the draft. And so we got some guys we'll highlight, but let's just look at uh, the, the guys they, they resigned too. You know, they, it wasn't the, the most uh, exciting group of players, but they did bring back Tershawn Wharton. We're talking about these interior rushers. Uh, Wharton is back. You know, he was, he, he, he didn't have to be back, but they did bring him back uh, after, you know, tearing his ACL last year, didn't play for the remainder of the year was interesting because i do think dana was probably better at the role uh than wharton was um i always feel like wharton left a little to be desired so who knows you know wharton might be someone that doesn't stick around all the way through camp depending on what happens um but they do need interior players uh tommy townsend jody fortson prince sega winogo shane bouchelle all back i don't know as you look at just who they brought in right you bring you, the two free agents obviously but also the the uh you know, the re-signed guys um, I don't know. Does it change just in a general sense? Does it does it really change your guys' uh, opinion on how they should attack the draft in a general sense? Or do you kind of feel like you know, nothing's happened too much to where like I'm truly like changing my draft strategy? Uh, Nate, what do you think? Um, I would say it gives the Chiefs flexibility to where I don't think now they're like, well, we have to draft an offensive tackle or we have to draft a defensive end. I think you can kind of let the board fall more to you. And that's that's the best way to handle free agency, period. Um, you want that's how like the best teams in my opinion right. handle it, like the Bengals and the Bills. They you fill as many of your holes as you can in free agency, and then you go into the draft that open board. Um, so that that to me is the best way to handle it. They solved at least one offensive tackle and they added one defensive end defensive lineman. Those are their two biggest needs going into free agency, and at least they have some answer there. Caleb, any any different thoughts? I don't think it changes the way they're thinking about the draft, really. They just brought back some guys who could provide quality depth. They're very familiar, very familiar with the system and like Shane Buchel's case and all that. Really, though, I don't think they should change their draft strategy. But, you know, like Nate said, they've got a lot of things they can do. They addressed the two, you know, two of their most pressing issues. They threw the money at it. 
So now they're going to yeah. just have to live with it and they're going to have to figure out what they can do in the draft for the other spots. Well, well I talked about internal free agents that they resign. There was quite a bit. They didn't resign, which is, which is yeah. kind of, it is kind of crazy to yeah. see all these guys to other teams, right? We're talking about, well, the big name, right? Orlando Brown Jr. Finally uh, signed with another team. The Bengals gave him four years, 64 million um, to be their left tackle. Uh, so obviously settling a little bit from the deal the Chiefs gave him last offseason. Uh, Andrew Wiley to the Commanders, right? Three years, $24 million. Juju Smith-Schuster to the Patriots. Uh, that was, you know, that's an interesting fit, you know, for the Patriot way. Uh, Juan Thornhill to the Browns. Colin Saunders to the Saints. Michael Burton even goes to Denver. Uh, so we're, we're, we're seeing a lot of guys go. A lot of guys that helped win a championship. Caleb, you just see any of these names? Is there anyone you're particularly excited to see it at, at their next stop? Is there anybody you're kind of particularly, you know, sad to see go? I don't know. What are your thoughts on to see these guys, this list? You know, uh, I was a little sad to see Juju go just a little oh, bit because yeah? I thought I thought he was, you know, the relationship he obviously had with, you know, the players on the team, the coaches, staff, you know, kind of what he brought to the table. He made big plays in the Super Bowl. You know, I guess maybe even Andrew Wiley, that's really – he's got a crazy NFL story. When you think about right. – he, he got cut like four times before he got on with the Chiefs, and now he got a significant payday. He's going to go help EB out over there yep. in Washington. But really, you know, there's a lot of teams that if they're coming off of the Super Bowl the Chiefs just did, they'd be overpaying for a lot of guys. And I'm – you know, that's the hard part of the business that Brett Beach is in. But really, these are guys the Chiefs couldn't afford to pay what these guys just got paid, really. Maybe Juju, I thought that was the only one that was interesting. I really think with him, though, it just came down to the injury history and the concussions and the knee injury and all of that. I think that was kind of the big thing. They're nervous about him not being able to stay healthy for a full season. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Nate, when you look at this list, is again, is just anyone you're, you're kind of sad to see go? Anyone you're excited to see at their next stop? Um, I don't think I would have paid any of the players um, that left, but I also think they're all pretty decent contracts for their teams. But honestly, like I, I look at all six of the names, and I'm kind of okay with all of them leaving. Like Caleb said, yeah. you can't pay everyone after a Super Bowl, and all those players are like helpful role players, but they're not people or players I'd want to pay a lot of money. Um, so I'm happy for all yeah. these guys. I'm glad they got their money. I'm glad they got their rings. But as I kind of look up and down the list, every single like every single time you get a notification that Chiefs players leaving, I'm like, yeah, I, I wouldn't have paid that. So I think the Chiefs handled yeah. this well for the most part. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. No, I, I mean, you know, it, it, it's going to be fun to see a guy like Colin Saunders in New Orleans if they give him, you know, a, a little bit more of a role to kind of just He's get after play the quarterback. Snaps. Yeah, they, they, no, like, they got they, they no lost a lot of defensive linemen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, they lost Shy Tuttle, David Onyemata. Um, yeah, no, they're oh yeah, even someone else too. Uh, yeah, but no, I, I'm with you, and and I think I think, uh, you know, Caleb, I don't know if I got we got that exact answer from you, but would you have paid anybody of these of these guys any of the monies they they got, any of the contracts they got? No, uh, the Chiefs maybe would have paid Orlando that last year, but oh yeah, that didn't. <laughs> they would have, yeah, they would have been sad. That obviously, that obviously went crazy, and I don't know. I think Orlando maybe thought the Chiefs would wait on him, and it was kind of wild seeing Jawan Taylor get signed like two hours into the right. free agency. It's like this negotiation got done a little fast here. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. It, it was fascinating to watch Orlando Brown, the saga, right? You know, go from, you know, again, he just he just demanded a lot, and this is what happens when, you know, the demand does not meet what, you know, what teams really think of you. So, 
it, it was fascinating, but it'll be interesting to see him in, in Cincinnati. I think Caleb, you kind of made the, the joke, but uh, let's make sure we get some uh, flexible bendy edge rushers maybe uh, to, to line up against him in, in next year's AFC championship. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we, <laughs> well, we kind of, we kind of know where to attack uh, on the Bengals front from now on. So, well, uh, just, just before we get to break, just, any other free agents, guys, around the league that you were really hoping to come to Kansas City? Um, you know, I know the receiver class was kind of down. You know, a guy like Darius Slayton got signed late today. Um, you know, I, I thought there was maybe a chance the Chiefs would take it. You know, take a chance on him, especially for two years, twelve million is what he signed, re-signed for back wow. in New York. It did look like that's what he wanted, uh, where he wanted to be. It looked like he was pretty excited to be back. Samaj P. Ryan to Denver, right? We talked about him over and over. I know that was one of your boys, Caleb. Um, yeah. I don't know any of these guys on the list. You're kind of really hoping to be in Kansas city. Uh, I mean, I liked P Ryan. I liked Zach Allen also, and the Broncos oh, yeah. got both of them. So that's always nice, but they also overpaid for Zach Allen versus what I <laughs> thought he would end up being worth. Cause that's what teams do in free agency. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm not like heartbroken over any of these names. These aren't guys like the chiefs needed. I just thought it'd be some fun names here and there to throw into the mix in KC. Like Arden Key went to the Titans. He's kind of that similar Charles Amenehu, uh, you know, kind of type player. Although Amenehu, that's the thing I like about Amenehu is he's a bigger, he is bigger than Key. Key is, yeah. he, he is thin, skin and bones. Um, Samson Ebukam, you know, doesn't necessarily fit the Chiefs, but uh, edge rusher from the Niners. But, um, you know, he's just an exciting player. Definitely gets pressure off the edge. Nate, is there anybody that sticks out to you that you were kind of, kind of hoping to, to get in Kansas City? Yeah, I, I had two names that weren't on the list. Uh, Rakeem Nunez Noches, and I would have yes, liked having him back. He, like three years to like $11 million. That would have been perfect. We needed an O's tackle so bad. Um, the other guy I wrote down was, I'm going to butcher his name, Ogbo Okoronkwo, the oh, guy yeah? from the Texans. Uh, three years, $18 million. Uh, actually, I think he would have complimented Amenahu perfectly because he's kind of more of a bendy like speed rusher type guy. Um, I don't, I don't know all his like physical measurements, but that was a good contract by the Browns too. Uh, those are the two names I'd written down, but honestly, like kind of like I mentioned, I, none of those contracts that we kind of had done on the list, I, I'm kind of okay. Like it does kind of right. suck that we haven't addressed receiver. And I, I know we'll get into that a little bit later, but for the most part, I think the chiefs got, you know, handled it well. I will say one sneaky one that I was, I was kind of thinking, Hey, we, we value the safety position and, and Hey, we still could see if a, a fair and safety get signed. We'll talk about it. But Von Bell, the, the Bengal yeah. safety, he got signed by the Panthers three years, 22 million. You know, I know they signed a similar deal uh, to Justin Reed last year, but again, you know, Justin Reed, that was a three year deal last year. I mean, we could, he could not be on the team by 2024, um, depending on what happens. So I do think safety is something that they will address. And so, yeah, let's throw it to break because I want to get into looking forward, fellas. I want to get into looking ahead and looking at what can happen. We've, we've been reacting so far, but let, let's get into the, some some preview. So on the other side, we'll get into what else to think about in free agency and then get into a little more drafts. This is the Draft Room Podcast, so we're going to talk drafts. So we will catch you on the other side. All right, we're back on the AP Draft Room Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you joining us as we – Talk about free agency. We talk about the draft, obviously. Uh, we're just recapping uh, everything that's happened so far, but there's still time to go, fellas. We're only a week into free agency, really only technically three days, uh, two days into free agency um, since it opened, uh, since Wednesday. We're recording this Thursday night. Airhead Pride has us estimated, has the Chiefs estimated about $12.5 million in cap available right now. Um, and you could, you know, that could be a little less, a little more, depending on what's going on. 
still something to work with, right? That's still, you know, it's still workable capital. And, and obviously you need something for the draft um, to sign your draft picks, but there, I think there's still a move to be made fellas. And, and I guess maybe that's where we'll just start off here. Nate, I'll get your, your take. Do you, do you think there's still a, I, you know, when I say significant move, you know, I'm not saying like a huge, huge name maybe, but right. there's still some kind of move to be, to be had in my opinion. What do you think? I don't like pouring cold water on people, but I didn't take the Mahomes restructure as they were making like a trade for DeAndre Hopkins or signing Odell, <laughs> because if they were going to do that, I think they would have given a restructure a little bit more than what they did. Cause they only restructured, I believe around $10 million. Um, to me, it signified they're going to make one more move. Uh, probably like a two year deal with like a five, $6 million cap hit to where they have like a little bit of emergency money for some depth signings before the draft. And then the rest of their cap space they'll generate this offseason will be whatever they generate with Chris Jones. And that's how they sign their draft class. I think they'll make one more like decent free agent signing. Like I mentioned that like five to $6 million range, but truthfully, I don't think it, the chiefs are in the DeAndre Hopkins sweepstakes. I don't think they're going to sign Odell Beckham anymore. I think they've made their moves for the offseason. So I know that's not fun. No one's going to like to hear that, but <laughs> I, I just, I, I didn't take the Mahomes restructure as here comes DeAndre Hopkins. I was kind of like, they're just giving themselves a little more flexibility. Caleb, what do you think? Is there, is there another move coming? I, I can kind of agree with some of it. I mean, like Odell is asking for what, like 20 million a year. That's outrageous. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's like officially reported, but they're saying his, his party, they want to start him at like 20 million a year. That's ridiculous for, him who hasn't played in the league in a year. I don't know. And I mean, really, I haven't really been the hottest on the DeAndre Hopkins things ever. I kind of want the chiefs to, you know, get some receivers they can try to develop on their own instead of going after like, you know, bringing in basically a mercenary for a little while. But I mean, I still think it's safety in it, you know, along the defensive line, they could still make a couple of maybe underrated moves here or there. And really, you know, the way they structure contracts, they can get a guy under contract at like either defensive tackle or maybe even safety for like three years and really have his cap hit low this year if they can work out mm. the cash with their bonuses and then have it be a little heavier next year down the line. So it, I don't think it's going to be a flashy name that's going to like, you know, make people on the daytime talk shows go, well, now the, the conference has changed, mm. but I think they can still make, you know, a quality move. Yeah, and, and and I think we just naturally all talked about receiver there, but you mentioned safety. Um, are there other positions that you think it could be? I, I do think we need to see some sort of, of nose tackle or a defensive tackle that can play the one tech. Um, I don't think you want to just find a guy in the draft and say, okay, you're our starting one tech. You probably could. Um, you know, that you know, Derek Naughty is an example of that. He was a nose tackle right out the gate for the Chiefs. Uh, that was when they were in their three four base, but Again, I mean, that's, you know, he came in right away. It was two gapping, you know, from the, from a, from a nose tackle. So I don't know. I, I think that's one. I still think running back could be one that they address. Um, Nate, I don't know. Are there any other positions besides receiver that, that you feel like it could be? I totally agree with Caleb. I think they have to add a defensive tackle. I mean, their room right now is Chris Jones, Tershawn Wharton off an ACL, Danny Shelton, and someone named Daniel Wise. And I can tell you a thing about <laughs> Daniel Wise. Hey. Right now, disrespectful of KU, yeah. Rock Chalk. All right, I'm sorry to Daniel Wise, but I know nothing about you. Um, <laughs> they they have to have somebody. I mean, they can't they yeah, can't exactly. feel the functional defense right now, which is fine. It's March, but they have to add someone in the defensive tackle room. 
Um, I don't know if we want to get too deep into names. Uh, I kind of wrote down Jonathan Hankins, Linville Joseph. Those are your just nose tackles, just two gapping Mm -hmm. nose tackles, guys. You're just going to, you know, be pluggers. Uh, Puna Ford, I said, if you're looking for just a pure Colin Saunders replacement, it's hard to get more like (laughs) replicable than uh, Puna Ford, who's 5'11", 310 pounds. That's basically what Colin Saunders is. Um, the last name I had down, yeah. if the Chiefs want to be a little more splashy, is Greg Gaines. I, I don't believe he's yeah. signed anywhere yet. Um, nope. I like Greg Gaines a lot because he can be both a one technique and a three technique. And I know that's scary because we all said that about Jaron Reed. But Greg Gaines is better than Jaron Reed was when he was cut from Seattle. If you're looking for someone to alleviate some snaps from Chris Jones while also being able to play next to Chris Jones, Greg Gaines is definitely the best option. Love that name. I do think if 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 they're gonna go defensive tackle, I think that's that's a great way to go. I don't know. I, I'm really curious what he demands on on the, you know what kind of contract he's he's asking for. You know, he's in a prime age, right? That's and it's in that Brett Veach model. He's about 25, 26 years old, coming off of his rookie deal. He was in the middle of that Super Bowl champion Rams defense. You know, he he has that experience. You know, that that's important to me, honestly. You know, mm-hmm. and that's why Taylor rapped to me. You know, Caleb, I know that's one of your guys. I'll let you get talk about him a little bit here, maybe. I, that's why I kind of like him is because he was he was a safety in the back end of a again a Super Bowl champion defense. He played you know important games. He went against really good you know pass offenses and and was a part of shutting them down. So I think those two both on both coming from the Rams, you know, kind of a. Uh, you know, have that Super Bowl kind of caliber, uh, you know, kind of that pedigree. I don't know, Caleb, is that one of your guys or anyone else you're thinking of? Yeah, you know, I've been interested. I'm actually still interested why Taylor Rapp isn't signed with anybody because really, you know, just from like if you look at the box score, he checks the box score. If you look at his play on his film, he checks a lot of boxes for things that, you know, and he may be more of like a strong safety. He may not be kind of like the center fielder like Juan Thornhill is. But, you know, Spags, I feel like to him, he does value having three safeties you can get on the field and play quite a bit. And with Juan Thornhill going to the Browns, you know, I I just kind of – I've always kind of thought that, you know, he would try to figure out a way to, you know, have Brian Cook not really, you know, be that free, but he's more of like going to go down, play in the box, kind of be like the, you know, the third safety in there, your your run-stopping guy. But, you know, I just think they're, I don't know, and Rap also played defensive back at Washington, a known place where the Chiefs have tapped defensive back talent from in the past. So I think that, you know, they can't pay him, obviously, because it's a, it's a mess in, in the Rams organization right now because they <laughs> mortgaged their whole future for that one singular Super Bowl win. But, you know, I think he'd be an interesting name. I'm really honestly surprised he's still on the board. You saw Jesse Bates and Von Bell go so you know there's start there was some movement here getting going here at the towards the end of this week yeah you know the thing about uh taylor rap too is i was kind of when i was digging into kind of the pff uh you know kind of the snap that snap count data they did play him more in the back end this year he was a box safety in the in the beginning of his career more but i do think that's kind of something that intrigued me is i do think they tried to play him more as a free safety this last year i haven't watched him on film or anything hopefully we get to if, if they sign him um but I'm I'm intrigued, man, because he does seem to have that versatility. And and if maybe maybe if he has kind of added that deep safety, you know, element to his game, maybe he fits here a lot more, you know, a lot a lot more than than we'd even think. So I definitely like that name. And, hey, Chauncey Gardner Johnson is still out there. You know that that's definitely not someone with with free safety maybe ability, but um, he's got athleticism. He's he's a slot guy primarily, and that just makes you think, man. I don't know. Hey, let's just say they go after Chauncey Gardner Johnson. 
you know, that puts you in a position where you could trade Legereus Sneed. I'm not saying you want to do that, but I'm just saying if if you if you want to get a Chauncey Gardner Johnson type and you didn't want to pay Sneed for whatever reason, I mean, this would be the way because he is a safety. He's a primary safety, but he plays in the slot. I think, you know, I think they kind of like having that safety coming in the slot. They had that with Tyron Matthew before. They're using a corner now in the slot right now. So, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there, man. I, I really like Chauncey Gardner Johnson. I don't think you can have both him and Sneed. So that's where I kind of have to put that out there. Is there any other names, guys? Are we, are you know, DJ Chark? Does that make anyone excited to hear? You know, wide receiver DJ Chark. Uh, you know, formerly of Jacksonville and in, in Detroit last year didn't really do anything for Detroit last year. You know, that's the thing. You know, I, at the receiver position, it could be Adam Thielen. You know, I don't know if that excites anybody either. Uh, you know, it does seem like it does sound like uh, if you kind of you know maybe read the tea leaves of, of Vikings fans, they weren't you know super sad to see his uh, ability off of off of their offense. Um, he might be a little past his prime, but I don't know. Is there any other positions you'd you'd go after? You know, backup quarterback. Is there anyone that intrigues you there? I mean, you know, there's there's plenty. You know, there's there's your Marcus Mariota's out there, your Teddy Bridgewaters. Is Shane Bouchel just QB two for this team? Is that is that just what we're doing here, fellas? Is that is that what we're just going to stick with, or, or do you think they need to get a veteran? I wish he signed Jameis. I was really hoping for Jameis alert, but that would be uh, awesome. God, yeah, oh, I love Jameis <laughs> personally, but um, yeah, it's hard. I, I guess I could look real quick at the quarterback class. Um, I mean, it's not great for backup quarterbacks. Um, maybe it's Shane Bouchel. He knows the system. I, I, I don't know. I would maybe disagree with you on that. I think it's really? actually a nice, a nice little, a nice little uh, uh, backup quarterback. Think about what Chad Henney was at the beginning of his career, of his career. He was a first round pick That's that right. didn't work out and, 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 uh, you know, became, had to kind of become a career backup. I think Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Carson Wentz, even, which I know sounds crazy, but no. you know, if he, if he turn if he commits to being a backup, I don't mind that at all. I, I, I will tell you that right now. Well, I, I like having a little volatility. If, um, uh, Teddy's curse though. If he comes to town, something's going to happen to Pat because it's literally the story of his career since he oh had his big injury. So we need to nothing against Teddy, but bad things happen to the guys he backs up. That's true. No. So it sounds like Marcus Mariota might be might be the best option, and and honestly, that does make a lot of sense, doesn't? I think he's always kind of had that Alex Smith comparison, where he's you know he's athletic enough, um, you know he he can throw pretty well, but he's not great. He was a starter last year. He was a starter for Atlanta. So um, depending on what deal he wants, I think he'd be I think he'd be a good backup. So all right, enough quarterback talk. Backup quarterback talk. Uh, let's let's get into. Are there any positions you guys are just completely cool with, no matter what, just kicking to the draft? Um, just not, you know, don't worry about, you know, and, and maybe just the positions we haven't mentioned yet. But are, are you guys okay with them not adding anything else to offensive tackle, just leaving it as it is and kind of going into the draft with? Because right now it'd be Jawan Taylor at left tackle and Lucas Nang at right tackle, right? I mean, am I wrong? I mean, that's what it would look, that's what it would be if they took the field right now. Do you I'd, like that? <laughs> I, I'd add another body. Okay. In when I buy, when I mean add another body, I mean if you decide not to trade up, you better use your second round or third round pick on a guy who could possibly come in and right. play at some point. Because if you're relying on Lucas Niang out there, his just consistency with staying healthy has not been there at all, at all during his career. So you can't really rely on him to play every game for you, and that's really a big thing for the Chiefs' offensive line 
is they really need guys to be able to play every game. You know, I don't know if Nick Allegretti, he hasn't been signed yet, I don't think. So maybe even in late late rounds of the draft, you might even pick up another interior guy just to throw in there as a possible backup also. So I think when you have Mahomes, you always got to kind of be thinking to add to the protection, though. No, that's a great point about the interior line. They don't have any backups right now. The only people on the on the on on I guess the only people that were on the fifty three man roster last year that I have down was the only people left are Tooney, Creed, and Trey. There's no backups. Yeah, Allegretti's a free agent. So interior offensive line may be something that we, we could see them go after. Maybe someone that can do both, right? Maybe someone that can that, like a depth, you know, low key guy that can play guard and tackle. Nate. Are you okay with 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 offensive tackle being uh, left alone through the draft? What about like edge? Um, you know, defensive line. I don't know. What positions are you kind of uh, good with not doing anything until the draft? No, I agree. We we have to add a veteran tackle. Um, I just I can't okay. trust Lucas Nang's body to hold up. Um, right. Billy Turner, that was a guy in the Broncos last year. He wasn't healthy last year, but the previous years with the Packers, I think he was pretty good. Uh, that'd be someone I'd at least give a call. I give a call to Isaiah Wynn. He's someone who's played both right yeah. and left tackle. He's definitely on the shorter end for what Andy Reid likes. But if yeah. he wants the ability to maybe come in and start or be like a swing tackle, I think that makes a ton of sense. Edge-wise, there's some decent options. I, I've kind of mentioned Leonard Floyd. I think that's someone I'd, I'd at least give a call to. Um, he's always kind of been someone I've liked. Um, Bud Dupree, I, I'm not quite very excited for. I'm not Man. excited for Robert Quinn anymore. Um, oh, yeah, no, you know, I, we'll, we'll talk about some uh, draft guys in terms of the edge. I think the one guy, like I mentioned, I would call would be Leonard Floyd. Outside of that, there, there's not a lot of great options in, in free agency that I think would be fits for the Chiefs. But, um, yeah, I, I, offensive tackle, I think you have to add one more body into the room before the draft, uh, just in case your rookie's not ready or Lucas Yang's not healthy. But outside of that, I think they're, you know, I think they're sitting pretty well in terms of their roster right now. All right, well, we, we, we teased it enough. Let's just get into it. Prospect of the week time. Let's go. Hey, prospect. We have other prospects. Prospect of the week. It's time. Let's do it. Uh, we are talking about our favorite prospects, draft prospects. We've talked a lot of free agency, a lot of NFL names so far, but it's time to shout out some of our favorite guys we're watching, guys that we hope fall on the Chiefs. And what we're doing in this segment is we're hoping to pick as many future Chiefs as possible, as many guys will be picked by the Chiefs in April as possible. So far on the show, we have picked uh, – Caleb actually was the one who picked uh, Iowa State edge rusher Will McDonald the fourth. I picked Wisconsin defensive tackle Keanu Benton. Nate picked Auburn edge rusher Derek Hall last time he was on. Oklahoma offensive tackle Anton Harrison I picked. I also picked USC defensive line and defensive lineman Tuli Tua Pelotu. I got that right. And Maurice, he was on with me last week, picked Keaton Mitchell, the exciting running back from East Carolina. All right, Caleb, I'm going to let you go first. Who are you thinking for prospect of the week? I'm going to go with Nolan Smith from the University of Georgia. And this is almost me picking him as a direct reaction to Orlando Brown signing (laughs) with the Bengals. Because really, the AFC will probably come down once again to some combination of the Chiefs first Bengals. And even if it doesn't, you need an athletic defensive end who can bend the edge to get after maybe Josh Allen or Justin Herbert or one of these super mobile quarterbacks. He is a special kind of athlete. And, you know, he was hurt his last year at Georgia, but he was, you know, he popped off on the film and everything he did. You know, you can tell 
just how special he is as a player. He fits no boxes for anything that Spags has traditionally ever Mm -hmm. gone against. So no one would even be expecting it if they were to move up and try to draft him. But you have a chance to draft a special guy like him. You know, Andy Reid and Brett Veach do tend to draft athletes. And really all the, you know, there's concerns about his size or whatever, but really he holds up well in the run. There's not really anything he does a poor job of. And if anything, you know, you got to have that kind of athletic ability and your defense, it's something that they've been missing. And, you know, it's just a different kind of, you know, he adds it, he would add a diversity they don't have along their defensive line. They've got these power rushers on the outside that can go inside and be quick against guards. I think right. they need someone that can go in there and be quick against tackles and athletic, flexible, explosive. He would give Orlando Brown some problems maybe in an AFC championship game. Man, that would be Orlando Brown Jr.'s worst nightmare. And and so yeah, I'm I, I do think I do think, you know, I think he's closer back to the the, the team's board than uh than he was before. Not necessarily just because the Orlando Brown Jr. thing, but um I, I just think with how the how their free agency has, has come out so far, I mean they just need I, – I totally agree with you, Caleb. They just need someone to come off the edge, fly off the edge. I think they kind of used Frank Clark as that last year as their speed rusher. You know, speed. Um, not not necessarily speed. the most. But, yeah, right, exactly. So, all right, Nate, who do you have for your prospect of the week? Well, you're looking at the list, and it's edge, defensive tackle, edge, offensive tackle, <laughs> edge, running back, Caleb Pickett, Trenches. Edge. Yeah, and I was like, all right, we got to change that up because chances are Chiefs aren't just going to draft just a trenches guy. So <laughs> I was kind of looking at the list of receivers I've watched, and I was like, who do I think is the most Andy Reid-like wide receiver? And the more I thought about it, I think it's Zay Flowers, the wide receiver from Boston College. Um, I watched Zay Flowers last weekend, and I really enjoyed him. Um, mm-hmm. He's uh, you know on the shorter side for sure. I believe he's like 5'8", probably in like the 175 range. But he tested pretty well at the combine. Uh, not overly dynamic vertically. Vertically, he is more dynamic dynamic vertically than like Jordan Addison, the wide receiver from USC, which is what separates those two for me. But as a route runner, he's just absolutely terrific. He's explosive off the line of scrimmage. He covers a ton of ground quickly. He's a good route runner. He's pretty good after the catch, which is something I didn't know much about until I watched him. Mm-hmm. But he's dynamic after the catch. Versatile in alignment. We, we talked about this a lot, but Andy Reid loves positionless wide receivers. Zay Flowers fits into that perfectly. My only concern is, like, can you build a wide receiver room around Sky Moore, Zay Flowers, and Kadarius Tony, who are all, like, 5'10"? But I don't think that's never been a problem for the Chiefs in the past. And uh, Zay Flowers, because he can align in some different spots, I think they can do a lot of different things formationally there. I think Zay Flowers, based off all the interviews of her room, is a super intelligent player. I think there's a lot of things from football character to athletic profile to what Andy Reid likes that makes me believe that, like, if there's a receiver that the Chiefs are looking at at the end of round one, I think Zay Flowers is going to be really high on their board. Yeah, he's exciting, man. He, he, mm-hmm. I, you, you mentioned the five eight. You know his his kind of his build. Um, I, you know, I, you don't like to do this, but especially after the catch, that's where I really saw. I feel like Antonio Brown kind of. Yeah. kind of traits a little bit where he's just this small guy, but he just plays way quicker and like way quicker and faster than, than you probably think he should. And he also doesn't go down very easy and he actually, you know, can, can throw people off him a little bit. Um, he's, he's a dog, man. I, I really like Zay flowers. Uh, he's, 
he wasn't a first round pick. I feel like in mock drafts at the beginning of the draft process. And now he's, he's clearly a first round pick. It seems like, so uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah, he could fall to the chiefs range. Um, I'd, I'd love it. Um, and, and you're right though. A lot of, a lot of small receivers in that room, but Hey, they're all creating separation. If they're all catching the ball, if they're all, you know, running routes well, then, you know, <laughs> that's, that's good enough for the chiefs. That's what they need. So I get that. I love it. You guys are picking two of my, you know, two of my favorite prospects in the class, but I like Felix and Udike Uzama for my prospect of the week, the edge rusher from K state. And honestly, kind of go off you, Caleb. I, I picked this kind of in as a re, uh, reaction to what has happened in, in free agency. We kind of talked about it already, but I, I do think signing Charles O'Menahue and, and kind of knowing where they're at with the defensive line, they do need another true defensive end, a, a, a true edge defender, a true a guy that can get down in a three point stance. Already knows what to do. Felix Enrique Uzama, you know, he was he was using a different kind of uh, defense. Obviously, you know, with a lot of four eye, a lot of those tight formations. You know, where he's He's getting, you know, he's running into double teams, not, you know, coming off of the edge, you know, all the time. But when he did come off the edge, we all saw, you know, we know he can, he can rush, you know, he, he can obviously use his hands. He can bend pretty well for his size. You know, he has, you know, a good size profile, in my opinion. But I just think he just has those, those sound fundamentals for a defensive end, especially at his age. That's why he's so impressive to me is because he plays kind of like a veteran, like a red shirt senior. Um, but he, he is just a true junior. He was just a true junior. There's a lot more. Uh, you know, I, I think he has a body type where you can put more weight on him, not necessarily weight, but like good weight, like, like he can build muscle. Right. I think he has kind of some skinny arms a little bit, um, kind of has a body that you can mold a little more and, and, and you know, could definitely use an NFL weight room. Um, but all that to say is, is he's a solid player as it is. He's a solid prospect as it is. And I really feel like he's someone that you can you can plug in right away and you can say, hey, you know, just be a, you know, be our four, three defensive end, our strong side defensive end, you know, let, let Carlotta's be the Leo, you know, come off the weak side. You know, I, I think either way he could, you know, he could play both, but I just think, um, I just think he could, he could come in and be an actual true four, three defensive end um, and, and be that pretty much right away. Um, you know, obviously not great right away. You know, it's never going to be easy for, for defensive lineman, offensive lineman to come in in the trenches in the NFL and be great right away. But I just feel like he's that kind of more that true four three defensive end um, compared to some of these other guys in the class. So we have some good names, I'd say, and and, and obviously you know we got a, we got plenty of K State people that are that are loving up on Felix, and and he's been a guy that we've all liked since before the draft process. I mean, mm-hmm. he was a guy we were targeting last summer, so would definitely be cool to see him. He's from Blue Springs. Would be cool to see him come home, uh, go to the Chiefs. So prospect of the week, good names there, but. I don't know, fellas. What do you think about wrapping up this show with a quick little three-round mock draft? Little, uh, let's let's get the people some some uh, some draft selections. Kind of, kind of. Hey, we're a draft room, right? This is this is what we do. We're 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 together right now. We're in the draft room, and 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 we're gonna pick some players for the Chiefs. So let me pull it up here. But we're in the war yeah. room, baby. Exactly. This is the war room. This is, you know, I don't know who wants to be Brett Veach. I don't, you know, I, I can be Brett Veach, but you know, that's a lot of pressure on me. So I don't know if I want to take that. As long as um, I'm not Clark Hunt, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. I don't think anyone wants, or Mark Donovan. Anyone, anyone want to be Mark yeah. Donovan by any chance? No. I don't want to be right. making awkward phone calls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love those videos. Can't wait for those videos. All right. Well, I'm going to start this draft, fellas. We're going to see the clock wind down. Gone, seeing some names. Ooh, Zay Flowers just went. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, boy. <laughs> this this is this this is PFF's just setting me up, you know. 
Uh, you mind for the people uh, that can't can see, we look at the few stuff. picks before? I, I wanted to see who went before. Oh, yeah. Just a few picks. That might help. Uh, that might help the listeners kind of right. know who's kind of like leaving around that range. Right. So okay. So we are at the Chiefs pick. Um, we're looking. Let's look at like twenty down. So Nolan mm-hmm. Smith goes twenty. So he goes way earlier. Uh, you know, Zay Flowers goes twenty-five. So we're not looking at him. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the tight end. I know some people kind of like the idea of him. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, Kalijah Cansey went 27. Let's see. Anyone else crazy? Go of course the there? Cowboys would take take Robinson there. <laughs> Bijan, you know, they're just going to do it all over again, right? Get rid of Zeke. <laughs> just draft another first round back. Although I do think Bijan should be better than, than the Packers him. drafted Jordan. Ooh. Love a, a good player. Yeah. Jackson Smith and Jigba in Green Bay. So it so looks like a lot of edges class. and a lot of tackles are gone from this simulation. Right. So yeah. this is so in real life, I see Peter Skronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones go off in the top 13. I'm like, crap, we are screwed. But what happened, fellas? We got all the way to 31, and yeah, Anton no, Harrison no never went. went off the clock. So Anton Harrison is definitely who I would say we got to go with here. But let's look through who is available. Um, so Daywan Jones, the Ohio State right tackle, is also available. Felix and Udike Uzama, Mozzie. also there. Mozzie Smith, you know, I the, the very athletic interior defensive lineman. All right, so let's have this debate here. Would you you have you have these these guys on the board like an offensive tackle, uh, a decent edge rusher we all kind of like, Mozzie Smith, a guy that we all like on the inside. What's more important here in the first round pick? What position, you know, is is defensive lineman, you know, interior defensive lineman, an important enough position to pick this high? I mean, that's a it's a, I think it's a reasonable enough question to ask. I mean, it is for me, but you're kind of – I think you – we'll get Caleb's opinion on this. I almost think you have to take Anton Harrison if he's at 31 uh, because he, he's just a – I really enjoyed him. Um, I, I do have some questions about him, but he's still a good player, um, good explosive athlete. I think he's going to be able to pass protect well. If he's in the board, ooh. he's so he's so clear. Ooh, darn all right, I didn't see him. That this, That's interesting because yeah. I, I feel think Darnell like- is better. I feel like Ooh. though at this, I feel like though at this juncture, this is like where the the run on the second group of tackles is. Yeah. So I don't know if you can really afford to wait your guy. You know, you got like the top, you got the top three or the top four going. What the top fifteen? This is usually when you start to see. Usually, even the second run of tackles can start around twenty six when like the next three or four guys will go off the board. I feel like you almost have to take the tackle here just because on like my personal how I value positions. I have it being like quarterback, you know, quarterback, offensive tackle, and then defensive end, defensive back. Right. Those are like my, my personal four most valuable. So, so I, I think this is a question we should have. If we're thinking about offensive tackle, we, you know, we talked a little about Juwan Taylor left to right. Doesn't first question is who's a better prospect just in a vacuum, uh, Darnell Wright or Anton Harrison? And for the Chiefs, should they maybe take the risk on a guy like Darnell Wright and have him at right tackle and then just have Jawan Taylor left tackle? I think that this is a good kind of scenario that could play out for the Chiefs, maybe if it's a trade-up or at 31, because they have this right. flexibility. What should the Chiefs value? Should they value a guy that's a proven left tackle and put Jawan Taylor at his best spot, or should they take who, I'll, I'll just be honest, I think Darnell Wright's a better prospect, but then you're risking Jawan Taylor. Well, what do you guys think about that? So – I, I disagree. I, I like Anton Harrison more than Darnell, right? Just in a vacuum. Um, I will say with the I, I, the point you're making there, you do say, yeah, you keep either, you know, Darnell right at right tackle, which he's always played, and then Jawan Taylor, you're moving, or you're 
you're making two projections there. You're projecting a rookie to play well, right. and you're projecting Jawan Taylor to move to another position. If you keep Jawan Taylor at his position, you're only making one projection. You're making a projection that a rookie is going to play well. You already know Jawan Taylor is a good right tackle. We already know that. So that's, in my head, I, I kind of come down to that where if you're, if you're going to move Jawan Taylor to left tackle and draft a rookie at right tackle, you're making two projections for your starting offensive tackles. You're not making two projections if you draft the left tackle, keep Taylor on the right. Caleb, what's your, what, what's your final thoughts on this? And then we'll make a pick. I would say Darnell Wright because I think he's honestly – when I've watched him on film, yeah. I think he's a special prospect. He just displays things, honestly, with his footwork and hands and pass protection that you don't always see. I don't know how they have him so low on this board. I think I he's going to end up being <laughs> – I think he's going to end up being a first-round pick at some mm-hmm. point. I yeah. just think that some of the gifts he has for offensive line, you can't just get caught up in the left tackle versus right tackle thing. You got to, oh, yeah. you know, take a look and say, well, we could have, you know, Jawan Taylor can be a good left tackle and we could even start getting ready for the generation. But I like him a little bit more than Anton Harrison. Well, this is a draft room. I'm getting, I'm getting outvoted here. So we're going to take Darnell Wright, the tackle from Tennessee in the first round. Hey, I love it. I do like Darnell Wright. I think he's a great pass protector. I do see how he translates, especially in the Chiefs offense where we need guys that can pass protect. So. Now we're in the second round. Let's see who kind of went maybe after the Chiefs. A lot of it is the run on tackles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Anton Harrison went soon after. I saw Derek Paul's off the field. Jalen Hyatt's off the, off the, Monty Smith's gone. Daywan Jones is gone. gone. Yeah. BJ Cody. A lot of edges. Yeah. Edges and tackles. One edge I'm not seeing. Oh, right before Derek Hall. He almost fell to 63. Yeah, Derek Hall should be way higher on this ranking, too, by the way. Um, well, yeah, run on edges, we're right. Yeah, Jalen Duncan went before, so we can't even think about getting that developmental left tackle, even though I guess we already picked tackle, so we're not going to do that. So, all right, let's see who is on the board. Let's 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 filter it out to receivers. Let's go offensive. Well, no, not offensive tackles. Uh, defensive linemen, edges. We'll put safeties in there, too. Let's see what safeties we got. So, you know, the Kansas City kid, the, the hot name of the draft is still on the board. Otto Tamua, okay. Ottawa is his last name. Ottawa from Northwestern. Uh, Tank Dell, he's there. Uh, you know, Carl Brooks is an interesting defensive lineman from Bowling Green, kind of inside-outside guy that disrupts. Um, Nick Herbig Ooh. is there, the edge rusher. I mean, my guy's there. Uh-oh. We got, two guy, we got two guys there, though. Yeah, I know. Okay, so we're looking at two uh, A-gap. Defensive tackles and Siaki Aka and Keanu Benton, um, Baylor and Wisconsin. Two guys that were similarly ranked for me. Um, I think kind of all of us. Um, they're kind of, you know, in a, in a similar tier, mm-hmm. I would say, of player. Do we value this right now? Especially, we're not really seeing a lot of edges we like, right? I'm not seeing any. I mean, Isaiah McGuire's yeah. there in the second round. I mean, that might be a little high for him, maybe. Maybe we're thinking more third round for him, potentially. Um you know, definitely not Mike Morris. Uh, Byron Young, he's had some, you know, he's had some, uh, you know, a, a good combine. Cedric Tillman, the receiver, I'm, I'm a fan of his. He has some size that, that the Chiefs receiving core doesn't have right now, um, but also has some, you know, ability besides just his size. Michael Wilson has excited some people. He has some injury stuff to think about, though, the Stanford receiver. Well, let's come back to Siaki, Siaki Aika and Keanu Benton. I like Benton more. I think he has the chance to turn into more than just that uh, nose tackle. I think he can develop into maybe more of a three-down player. Um, and I don't think the same about Ika, I'm going to be honest, So or Ika. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, I'll start with you, Nate. 
I I personally like Ika more, but I agree with your logic that Keanu Benton is more of a three-down player. So I I think that's a totally fair justification for taking him. Um, I do think Ika's a better run defender um, than Benton is at this point. I I do have some questions about how well uh, Benton translates year one. But if you get him in a room with Joe Cohen and you get him in a room with Chris Jones, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it'd be a good fit there. So, yeah, I'm cool with Benton. I, I think that would be a good pick. Caleb, are you are you with that, or is there anybody else on the board you're seeing, or just yeah, what are you thinking? I think uh, Keanu Benton at sixty two or sixty three would be a home run of a pick because Love it. I think if you know you're pairing him in the defense with this room, and you like we mentioned, it's kind of like a bunch of versatile guys. Well, now mm-hmm. you've got another guy that can just go in there and bang as a one tech, bang as you know maybe a three tech and run down. It's kind of like how Mike Pinnell yeah. did. Back in 2019, even if he's not going to provide a ton of pass rush right away, but he's got that physical upside that, you know, he can maybe turn into like a seven or eight sack a year kind of guy at some point in his career. I think, I think you got to take Benton here. I love it. Keanu Benton picking one of our, our guys in the, in the prospect of the week category. So that's good. But we're at 35 or 95 right now, third round pick, last pick of this mock draft, last pick of the show. We'll see kind of who went after. The Chiefs Sam pick Laporta. Sam Laporta. Yeah, you know, I know Nate's sad to see him go. Um, you know, Sidney Brown, the Illinois safety's gone. Gervin Dexter, the Florida interior defensive lineman. Maybe in the third round, I'd be a little more uh, about him. I'm not a huge fan of his. Cedric Tillman, the Tennessee receiver, is, is off the board. Kayshawn Boutte. I don't think Boutte is going to go that high. I, I, I'll tell you that much. Um, yeah, I don't know. what. Uh, any other guys you see here that are kind of surprising maybe see go that high or low? Or what do you think? Tyler Scott. Uh, I think Tyler Scott going 86 feels a little low, to be honest with you. I feel like his kind of skill set might drive him up the board a little bit. Can we look at the tight end class? Because it really doesn't seem like there's been a huge run on them so far. Let's see what we got at tight end. Zach Koontz is still available. Oh, that's intriguing. Yeah, Josh Wiley, the Cincinnati tight end. Will Mallory, very athletic tight end for Miami. Um, Cameron Latou, the Alabama tight end. We all know him. Yeah. So like oh, the top, still got, uh, like... still got Durham, still got Durham available too. Payne Durham. Uh, oh, I didn't even say Luke Schoonmaker up here. Must have missed him. But Zach Koontz is that really athletic, very you know intriguing yeah. tight end prospect. Um, there is there is definitely some stuff to like about him. I was seeing if they had their, his measurements on here. It doesn't look like they do. Uh, he's like six seven. He's he's huge. Oh, he's pretty yeah. skinny. He's yeah. a big boy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Do you like the um, tight ends? I don't know. What else? What, what, what do we got a wide ones? receiver? Yeah. yeah we probably need to look at wide receiver. receiver. Um, I, you know, I know you like Jaden Reed, Nate. You were a fan of yeah. his. Trey Palmer's another burner. That's a good um, one. I think oh, Xavier Hutchinson. I didn't notice that. Yeah. yeah. There's a bigger guy that has some juice to him, too. Uh, I think Trey Garrett. Palmer makes a lot of sense. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Mingo makes sense. I just don't think he'll be that far. That, that's a little concerning. Uh, you know, though, as, semi-realistic. As, I, as I scroll through this, though, I do like where we're at with the receivers. In yeah, the this is a good round. pocket, um, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, Washington's again, I mentioned good Washington. Yes. Um, you know, I've heard good things about Bryce Ford Wheaton. Don't know much about him. Rakeem Jarrett has some juice to him as a as kind of a slot receiver. Um, I no, but Mingo, you know, that's not too high up for him, I would say. You know, Dante Demas, kind of a bigger receiver from Maryland, but has some juice. Um, I know Matt Landers w- uh, was kind of that guy that's 6'4, like 220, and had like a crazy combine. So, 
I don't know, Nate, are you willing to stand on the table for Jaden Reed? Is there anyone else on here that you're, that you're really fighting for? I mean, I, I kind of like the idea of going with the size here. That's available. I actually, yeah, I, was say, I think Xavier Hutchinson is the one I would draft here. Um, I know he's not like an overly dynamic athlete, but in terms of a guy who I think he could kind of be your MVS replacement in a year um, as like that X receiver, uh, kind of the vertical threat guy but i think he expands a little more in your route running than mbs so um to me mm-hmm. i i know i know caleb's a really big fan of him but of all the guys on the board because like i mentioned i don't think jonathan mingo will be there so we won't take him but i think xavier hunchinson could be there and i think he'd make a lot of sense for the chiefs at this spot what do you think caleb i mean i would definitely be a fan of taking xavier hutchinson i don't know if i go this high in the third round though but you know mm. just for just for maybe the sake of what we're doing, I'd take him. You know, you're looking at the running back group. Yeah. I still feel like maybe there's some – I still I feel like these running backs are going to fall into the fourth, though. That's yeah. my thing with them. I I think no matter how talented we think – There's a lot of them are. left, too. Because, yeah. yeah, we got guys we highlighted a few weeks ago in the show that probably aren't going to go to the fifth or sixth round. Any safeties? I know you, you like your Brandon Joseph from Notre Dame, Caleb. Um JL Skinner had that injury. You know, he was kind of an intriguing player. I mean, he still is, obviously. Um, yeah, I'm, you know, safety class, we haven't got into too much. So we don't, you know, I'm, I'm not too knowledgeable with what they got. I mean, they Maguire's still on the board. We That's still need an edge. Yeah, we don't have an edge rusher in this draft. And Isaiah Maguire, the Missouri edge rusher, definitely fits, you know, some of the size profile stuff that, that we need or the Chiefs need an edge rusher. So are we looking, you know, Isaiah McGuire, probably the edge rusher, I'd say, out of the group that we're looking at right here. Zach Harrison is there. You know, I do think he fits what the Chiefs look at. Um, so he's the edge rusher. So if we take him or one of these receivers, we talk about Xavier Hutchinson. I know, Caleb, you, you said maybe it's a little high for him, which, again, if we like where the receivers are sitting at, maybe we can wait another round on that receiver, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, that there, would make still sense, some. Yeah. You know, Justin Shorter, even, you know, there's some stuff with him that, you know, I could be, you know, I could get, I could get talked into. So, all right, you know, let's go Isaiah McGuire. Let's appease the Missouri fans that are listening and, and, and get, you know, again, just get, get a, get an edge rusher, get another, you know, body that's going to, you know, definitely eat up snaps in a good way for the Chiefs. Let's see what the Chief, the PFF gave us. Oh, gosh. Did not like the the Darnell Wright uh, draft pick at all. Man, PFF is not a fan of Darnell. They don't know ball. Um, they don't, they don't know ball. They didn't listen to Will Anderson Jr. when when he said <laughs> that he was the best athlete. Although that did give me a little bit of the Lucas Nyang flashbacks of Chase Young saying that. But you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that. You know, we're not gonna put those bad vibes into you. the universe. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I brought it all down. It's 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 okay. No, I hey, I'd love it though. I, we're addressing the trenches very specifically. <laughs> Tackle, interior defensive line, and edge. You know, I'm all about the trenches. So I love this. I love this draft, and I think the Chiefs would be. Very well set up to attack receiver and running back in the in tight end, I would say, in the, in day three, mm-hmm. don't you guys think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. no, especially That's with fun. the simulation we had, there's a lot of receivers there that would be there at round four. And obviously you can always find, you know, quality running backs on day three. So yeah, this it's this is a fun draft. I mean, if we left the draft with these three players, I I'd be thrilled. I mean, you won't have to convince me to take Darnell Wright, Keanu Bennett, Isaiah McGuire, uh, three picks in a row. That that would be a great draft. Yeah, man. Look at the thing- trenches. <laughs> The only thing that would have made it only thing that would have made it better is Anton Harrison, but you know, hey, <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. No, no hard feelings. All right, fellas. Well, fun show. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone joining us. Uh, make sure you're following the site. Make sure you're 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 following us all on Twitter. 
We're going to be breaking down whatever Chiefs free agent comes next. Who knows? Maybe something happened as as we were recording and we missed it. Uh, I'm checking. I don't I don't think so. I'm sure the Slack chat would have would have blown up. Um, but but yeah, for 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 Caleb, for Nate, I'm Ron. Appreciate you guys listening, and we will catch you next time.